0: Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown Today is Sunday, September 17th, 2023 That's not a good sign right out of the gates My name is Dave Pike, I'm your host We have a lot to talk about tonight There's been a a busy week in in the politics And there's been some, uh, let's just call it like it is right out of the bat There's been some bullshit we're going to try to sort through some of that, but we have a couple other stories that we're going to sort through as well as we go through the the, the evening. Um, we're gonna. This is going to be. I'm going to warn you in advance. This is going to be a little bit of a, a video heavy show. We have a lot of clips that deserve to be played in uh, their their full fulsomeness. So we're gonna be we're gonna be doing that, um, and it's it's going to be it's going to be good. So, your patience on that uh, There is one clip, and I think you probably know which one I'm talking about already That has some, uh, some pauses, it has some, some dead air I'm fairly confident that we don't have the, uh, the, the technical issues uh, tonight So, when we get to that clip, and you, you hear the dead air, we'll give you some warning But uh, promise, it's not, it's not us, it's something else entirely To begin... The evening we got to talk about uh further blowback on the ucp's pause on renewables the renewables moratorium a news story came out a little while ago talked about the feedback that the alberta utilities commission has been receiving uh about their decision maybe their decision really more daniel smith's decision it sounds like and maybe not even daniel smith's decision because it increasingly she doesn't seem to know why she made that decision she blamed the AUC wasn't them she blamed the uh the the other uh body in charge of the electricities in Alberta it wasn't them she tried to blame the rural municipalities of Alberta and it wasn't them so Daniel Smith she can't seem to remember who told her that this decision was a was a good idea But the feedback has been overwhelming. 609 pages of feedback amounting to hundreds of letters from stakeholders and industry condemning the moratorium, including heavy-hitting companies, multiple municipalities. We're talking about some small towns. We're also talking about some some big towns, some bigger cities, maybe even the capital city of Edmonton. A lot of people who are really unhappy with the, the moratorium who don't believe that it's necessary. And there's a lot of people who are criticizing the way that the moratorium is being handled. Last episode, we talked about the fact that there were a few people that were added in. There are a few details, sorry, that were added in. They gave some, hey, in the interim, here's the, the vague rules that we're going to give you. The government gave the AUC until the end of March to review all of the concerns. The biggest ones being the, the, the financial guarantee for the cleanup after any sort of renewable power plant. Uh, Daniel Smith loves to talk about the, the Witten towers is as tall as the Calgary Tower. And she loves to talk about the big concrete bases that are required. But the, the thing is, is that none of those things pollute. You just pick them up and carry them away. Now, obviously, that's an oversimplification because we're talking about some pretty big towers and we're talking about a lot of concrete. But it's not like it's leaching into the ground or the groundwater or anything like that. It's just concrete. The commission further shook industry confidence when it announced a swath of en- additional, these are the information requirements for new renewable energy project applications. And these came even before it started the inquiry. So the way it was supposed to work was the AUC was supposed to say, ah, oh, we gotta talk to people about what the what they want, what are the rules, how should we do this? What what are how do we deal with the the cleanup? How do we deal with the unsightly nature of solar panels and and wind turbines how do we how do we address the the pristine views how do we deal with all of that well they needed to have an inquiry in order to do those things and yet they released these interim rules before they talked to any of the stakeholders about how it would be best to address them so there's more and more confusion that continues to go on with the whole renewables moratorium, but there's a lot of people, including investors, who are extremely unhappy with it. On our last episode, we talked to an energy lawyer who made it very clear that she was aware of at least one major project that said, uh, if Alberta's going to be like this, we'll head to Texas. And when Texas is preferable to Alberta, eh, maybe it's time to to think about maybe doing some things a little bit differently. But one of the big reasons that uh, Daniel Smith has cited and has alluded to is, Hey, you know what? It's the emissions. We got to deal with the, we got to, you know, if, if the feds, they put in their emissions cap, it's going to be a production cap. And so we got to, we can't have these admission, emission reductions. Although there was some interesting polling that came out because in not one, but two polls, it suggested that a majority, albeit a slim majority of Albertans thought, Hey, maybe some emissions caps are a good idea. Leger found 57% of respondents were at least somewhat in favor. Research Co., which is the second uh, polling company, they found that 62% were in favor. So that's that's not nothing. I mean, Daniel Smith continually likes to say, hey, you know what? Um, We can't have these emission reductions. People won't like them. But apparently, some people will, in fact like them moving on from there i don't know if our friend ziad is uh is listening tonight um i imagine he probably has some thoughts on this hope maybe maybe he joins in on the the open mic maybe he doesn't we'll have to see but uh one of the things that ziad uh potentially could be talking about is the ongoing issue with the the children's tylenol because the the Tylenol story that never seems to end just continues to not want to end, for one reason or another. The latest update that we got is the the Edmonton Journal had been looking around, had been talking. Uh, to a bunch of provinces, post media had been talking to a bunch of provinces. One of the big things that Danielle Smith had said when she's announced she was spending $80 million of taxpayers money on Tylenol that it turned out wasn't needed to be made by a company that didn't actually make the product um, was that, yeah, you know what? We're going to spend 80 million. We have to buy in bulk because we're asking them to make this product that they don't really actually make, but it's cool because you know what? all of the other provinces oh we've talked to the provinces so many provinces they are they are super invested in making sure that uh, they get a ha- their hands on on some of this this super great turkish tylenol and ibuprofen they're lining up we're not going to have any problem selling it. it turns out we have a big problem selling it so much so that in fact health minister adriana lagrange announced that uh, they were no longer looking to sell it's alberta's surplus children's medication to other provinces who indicated a lack of demand there's no demand for it because as predicted the companies that make the regular stuff not the the glass bottles that people are unfamiliar with people like motrin the people like tylenol they got their supply issues sorted out and now there's plenty of children's Tylenol or acetaminophen and children's ibuprofen or Advil or Motrin, there's a ton of it available. People don't people want to buy the brands that they know. Unsurprisingly, provinces don't want to buy. So now Alberta is left with eighty million dollars of this knockoff Tylenol and ibuprofen that uh, nobody wants to buy. So that's super great. Because it's got expiry dates. Moving on from there. Western Standard. Oh, they had a scoop. The biggest scoop in the history of scoops. If you can't tell already, I'm being a little bit facetious. The Western Standard reported on uh, September 7th that, uh, hey, you know what? The Trudeau government, with their their crazy emissions reductions, the the they're their continued dedication to trying to preserve the environment. Um, They're banning WD-40. It'll be banned in Canada to save the environment. Let's pick a beloved product that uh, many people use. I've definitely used WD-40 quite regularly. Uh, Let's pick a beloved product and let's say, oh, the the Trudeau liberals, they're getting rid of your WD-40. They're coming for your uh, lubricant of choice. Except that's not the case at all, because as it turns out, WD-40 actually had to issue a statement because there was so much social media frenzy over this notion that uh, uh, people weren't going to be able to get their WD-40 anymore. It wasn't going to be a a, a thing. WD-40 released the statement. It has recently come to our attention that false information is circulating online. The WD-40 brand products are being banned in Canada. This is not a true statement. Although there are currently regulatory changes taking place in Canada, we have been aware of these regulatory changes and have been preparing for them for some time. All... WD-40 products, including WD-40 multi-use spray, WD-40 specialist, and 3-in-1 brands will be compliant with the new regulations as of January 1st, 2024. Our products will remain on Canadian store shelves and continue to solve problems in workshops, factories, and homes. So again, we have the Western standard, the lower standard, I mean, call it what you will, uh, coming out with this, these outlandish claims, trying to get people upset, almost as if it's politically motivated. It's worth remembering the Western Standard is the same outlet, media source, I'm not sure what to call it, um, propaganda machine, I mean, I don't know. Uh, They're the same group that released a story, in fact, written by the same creative writer, um... A little while back, where they talked about, ah, oh, we heard this story about this 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 trans person who's in this this female's locker room and just swinging their junk around like there's no no tomorrow. It's it's all very uh, alarming, and the kids were scared. The, the kids the, the kids were scared, and the the moms were scared, and everybody was scared. And then the Calgary police came out and said never happened. Western standard has a bit of a, a history of, let's go with creative writing, perhaps. Um, I think that's that's a reasonable statement to make. But here's the kicker: because of course both of those stories, of course they were, were written by the exact same creative writer, a gentleman named Arthur C. Green. Arthur's an interesting, an interesting cat in that he has some, let's go with unusual hobbies. Um, I mean, some people might consider them normal. I, I don't think most people would. I think a lot of people would consider them wildly disrespectful. One of the things that we learned when we did our walk along with the street cats a couple years ago, Was if you're going to talk about issues of homelessness or houselessness, if you're going to talk about issues of drug use, public drug use, one of the things that's critically important is to be respectful of the people who are going through those situations, the people who are experiencing the houselessness, the people who are experiencing the homelessness, the people who are experiencing the the addiction. You have to be respectful of them. You shouldn't stigmatize them. You shouldn't uh try to use them to get attention. And yet, that is exactly how Arthur spends his free time. This is just a little bit of a rollback. Now we are the ones who took the the, the steps of removing the faces that were visible in the pictures. Arthur didn't do that. Arthur loves to post the faces of people who are dealing with these sorts of social issues, who are dealing with mental health crisis. He loves to roam the streets of Edmonton. I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. Arthur loves to roam the streets of Edmonton and take pictures of people who are experiencing incredible hardship. And then he tags all of the big politicians. In these in these posts, almost as if he was using it to build his own profile. Almost as if he was using it to try to get attention for himself. Well, it looks like all of Arthur's creative writing and his um, shit posting of people experiencing legitimate social crisis and legitimate mental health crisis has finally paid off, at least for him, because this week, the man who likes to manufacture, it seems, news stories to inflame people announced, I have accepted a position with the government of Alberta as the new press secretary for deputy premier Mike Ellis and Public Safety and Emergency Services. I'm extremely excited to get to work for Albertans on Monday. So you have here a journalist who has been exploiting people, experiencing houselessness and homelessness for clicks, for attention. He appears to let's go with be extremely loose with the facts. Which, if you're doing a podcast that uses puppets, you could probably get away with a little bit. But if you're presenting yourself as a legitimate journalist, probably isn't the best way to go. But nonetheless, here's Arthur, the new press secretary for the deputy premier. Because of course, if the UCP is going to pluck someone out of the ether to be a press secretary. It's going to be somebody with a record like that. But speaking of UCP, uh, and provincial government media, we got, uh, we got a taste of a new thing as if your province, your premier wasn't quite enough to get your, your fix of Daniel Smith using words, um, the government of Alberta announced that your taxpayer dollars are now going towards a new program called Alberta update, which will be running when the legislature is in session. It'll be running every week when the legislature is not in session, it'll be running every second week. And it's literally hosted by one of Daniel Smith's employees because of course it is. It is the UCP Alberta government propaganda hour. And if you sat through the first episode it was nothing more than talking points and one-liners and the host saying very well said very well said that was kind of his his whole repeated line we're actually we're, we're looking forward to putting together a greatest hits clip of the the host using the platitudes and pumping the the tires of all of the ministers that they have on the show. And they had a few ministers on the show. But leading the show, starting the whole thing, was Danielle Smith. And she was talking about some of the things, among other things. She was talking about, hey, you know what? Here's some things that we have to look forward to in the legislative session. And we wanted to highlight one of the things that she talks about. But at the same time, it's the first 10 seconds that really are just chef's kiss.
1: Uh, we have a new health minister, Adriana Lagrange, mm-hmm. who brings just a wealth of knowledge to the role, having been in education before, which is a very complex, large, large ministry. She's going to be bringing forward some reforms in the fall that uh, will allow us to restructure health care so that it works so much better than it does right now. I'm very excited about that.
0: Now, there's a lot to unpack in that clip. I mean, first of all, I love Adriana LaGrange, just a wealth of knowledge, a, a wealth of knowledge. Adriana LaGrange, who couldn't even remember how it was that she found herself in a position where she gave one of her constituents and donors a huge contract when kids were doing back to school masks. Adriana LaGrange, who's so on the ball, she couldn't, she couldn't remember, neither could her staff for that matter, how it was that the, the pamphlet for that one company. Crossed her desk when there were literally plenty of other Alberta companies who actually made the masks here in Alberta, who had put up bids at a better price point. How is it that that one company got a huge chunk of the the mask money that was put forward to put kids back to school during the peak of covid remember how to do it but she brings a wealth of knowledge from a very complex but the other piece is interesting is daniel smith has been very very clear she said it on her radio show she's saying it again here she's got some things in mind for healthcare. a lot of people looked at the dynalife scandal and they said hey maybe that's maybe that's the learning point that perhaps privatizing healthcare isn't that great Danielle smith's reaction was no no we're just stabilizing it but really what we need to do is privatize more so the fact that she say that health care is going to be one of the key items in the legislative session gets to be really important and really relevant really quite quickly, especially given some of the other events that we saw going throughout the week. And this is where we're going to talk about the E. coli outbreak, which is, to be clear, absolutely tragic. For anyone who's not, been following the situation what we know so far is that a boatload of preschools and daycares that were connected to a central kitchen have experienced an E. coli outbreak now E. coli in and of itself the bacteria in and of itself is quite treatable the problem is it releases a toxin and that toxin can do extraordinary damage there have been well over 300 cases that have happened with dozens of hospitalizations. And as per last count, almost 10 kids have had to undergo dialysis. This is a huge crisis and it has been handled in, I don't know, I guess, ways for a while. One of the first things that happens after almost a week of silence was Adriana LaGrange... And uh, the Minister of Health, sorry, the Minister of Health, Adriana LaGrange, and the Chief Medical Officer of Health, who as of yet hadn't made any real public appearances since he got the role. They came out and, you know, if you've got 10 months or so after taking a job that's going to be in a high profile position, you might think that maybe the powers that be would offer up, I don't know, some media training, some talking points for your very first press conference. It's a big deal. But what we saw in the first press conference was anything but. It's been a week, right? So can you explain to those parents who have kids in hospitals why it's taken the chief medical officer of health and the minister of health a week to even address this publicly? That's a question for both the minister and the chief medical officer. So there have been daily communications and uh, as we've been collecting specifically for you, for you guys. Um, I think again this is uh,
2: this has been an investigation that's been ongoing. There have been daily reports coming from Alberta Health Services. Uh, Minister LaGrange and myself have been following this extremely closely. And uh, it, uh, at this point we felt that it it, it was prudent and uh, and appropriate for us to appear here and to to speak to Albertans and to answer your
0: questions. But uh, we didn't feel that there was urgency to do that up until this point. We didn't feel there was urgency to do that up until this point. You'd almost think it couldn't get worse in the initial response from the government, but we managed to roll out the cliches as well. We saw tweets. From both Adriana Lagrange and Danielle Smith. Just a day prior, two days prior to that press conference. Where it was all about the thoughts and prayers. We're sending thoughts and prayers. Not quite good enough. Not by a long shot. Because here's the problem with saying things like, Thoughts and prayers. One of the big problems with saying things like thoughts and prayers is, first of all, you're making it about you. Well, here's what I'm doing, that I'm doing the one thing that, you know, my thoughts, I'm experiencing those, so those are super valuable to everyone external to me. Also, my prayers are the same. So, I'm doing things for me, is really what thoughts and prayers are all about. It is a lazy way to say, I'm doing the absolute bare minimum, perhaps even less, but I'm using words to make it sound like I care. And it wasn't good enough for a whole bunch of different reasons. The parents of some of the kids who were affected came forth with a letter that was published in Global and they said, hey, not not good enough. What are you going to do? On September 14th, this was published. And the parents very justifiably described in painful detail what it was that some of these kids were experiencing. This is one of the quotes from the letter. Surely the suffering of our children merits more communication than a single tweet. It's important to realize that the last three to four years We've kind of been dealing with this greater awareness of public health stuffs because of this pandemic thing that was going on. And I don't think that it's unreasonable for people who are affected by a major public health situation. It's worth noting that this outbreak is already being labeled as one of the worst E. coli outbreaks in the history of not just Alberta, but the country. And it's an outbreak that almost exclusively, in the primary infections at least, has been affecting kids. Now, of course, there's secondary infections now as well. And we're starting to hear about how that's affecting the elderly as well as more kids. But a single tweet obviously isn't good enough. And some of the, the language is absolutely heartbreaking. From this letter. And so it came to pass that Danielle Smith decided to hold a press conference. And there were a couple of things that came out of the press conference and yeah we're gonna do the moment, we're gonna get into the moment, but before we do, one of the most fascinating quotes that came from Danielle Smith was this one.
2: First time that they've heard from you and we've heard from parents that that Has been very difficult from them that they have wanted this from you and they have wanted it sooner than two weeks into this how do you respond to that
1: well i do have to take the advice of my health minister and in these cases a couple of things come to mind number one is we know because of what we've gone through with the previous health emergency that politicians cannot be directing these investigations call politicians cannot be interfering in health orders if politicians interfere in health orders they can be rendered Illegal. So we have to make sure that we're deferring to the medical officer of health and allowing him the latitude to inspect and make the decisions he needs to on closures and, and in guiding the process for when reopening can occur. Um, the other part of the factor was we we didn't have answers in the first week. I mean, I. Th-
0: so Danielle Smith is a champion of government not interfering in public health emergencies or public health orders. Didn't have that one on the bingo card because anybody who's been paying attention to Alberta politics for the last little while knows Danielle Smith is the person who called the justice minister to ask if there was some way that they could just make the charges against Archie go away because the people, they didn't like it. Danielle Smith ran her entire leadership campaign in no small part, based on the idea that, you know, you just can't leave it up to these, these doctors and these, these public health experts. They, 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 they just go ahead with their science and they get all out of control. So for Danielle Smith to stand up in front of a camera and say, you know what, politicians can't interfere, is a pretty, pretty bold choice given who brought her to the proverbial premier's dance. There's no question that there's a good chunk of her base that said, wait, what? And that were deeply concerned by that. Some of the, the, the commentary that occurred on social media around it was really quite something to watch. But that brings us to the moment. Now, this moment has been the source of a lot of debate. Uh, we're going to play the whole thing because there's a lot to unpack and in order to do that, we want to play the whole thing. We're not going to include the teleprompter bit, though.
1: Believed to have happened was a violation of food safety standards in a shared kitchen and undoubtedly a violation of parents' faith in the system. When people entrust their child to someone else, they expect their child will receive the best possible care. Families are watching in anguish, watching their children suffer from a preventable cause they're enduring extreme stress afraid of what the outcome will be and how this will affect their child's health it's unimaginable pain and i'm heartbroken by what these family families are going through <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> right now the most important comfort i can offer is the promise that each sick child is getting the best possible care and i would just like to thank all of the medical professionals who have been doing everything they can to treat and to heal and to comfort these children and their families. I know that each affected family and all Albertans want to know what the root cause of the outbreak is.
0: So there's a lot to unpack in that clip. At the end of the day, there's been a lot of people who have questioned, let's go with the sincerity of some of those pauses. There's been a lot of people who have questioned the how sincere, how real, how heartfelt the emotions were that caused Danielle Smith to pause like that. And there's a lot of people who have dissected it in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of people who have said, hey, you know what? That was a great way for her to make herself appear. Like, oh, she just cared so much. She was overwhelmed in the moment, but she hit the ground running real quick after. There's a lot of people who have said, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I think that this was the first time that Danielle Smith is, has really you know understood what responsibility is. Um, and, and, and she was overwhelmed by that. She's starting to understand what the job is. But here's the thing, and I'm speaking for myself here. I'm not sure that she gets to do that. I'm not sure that the leader of a province who has the track record that Danielle Smith has, gets to have her little emotional moment on camera to show just how human she is. Because with Danielle Smith's public life, she has left us no shortage of moments where there has been human suffering. And she has responded with far less than heartfelt empathy. Here's one of... Those moments. This clip, this is a tweet from um, years ago. So, you know, maybe she's maybe she's learned some things since then. But this is from 2012. Daniel Smith said, We all know thorough cooking kills E. coli. What a waste. Is there no way to cook it so it's safe and feed the hungry? So, if we have tainted beef, if there's beef that's been contaminated with E. coli, can't we just cook it and give it to the people? Isn't that just okay? Which is a profoundly, let's go with poorly informed, approach. Because yes, while cooking it does potentially kill the bacteria, the toxins remain the problem. But it's 2012! It's been a long time. It's not like she's recently demonstrated a particular willingness to violate health Rules, oh, wait, yeah, there was that photo, wasn't there, of her her doing the dishwashing, where people who work in kitchens pointed out that there were multiple health, again, the the authenticity of the moment is somewhat questionable because uh, she's washing dishes, but she doesn't appear to be in any way. Near any kind of water. Um, but there's a lot of people who, who work in kitchens who pointed out there's multiple violations that exist in that photo there. And that photo is just from a couple months ago. But there's always, always more with Daniel Smith. That's part of the challenge. One of the, the, the accounts, the Twitter accounts, I, I seriously, if I ever find out who this person is, I will buy them a fancy cup of coffee of their choice because the, the Twitter account, Disordered YYC, has done an unbelievable job of sorting through a, an incredible volume of footage of Danielle Smith using words. Now, even if we ignore... The fact that Daniel Smith said in 2012, well, what if we just cooked the E. coli off and gave it to the homeless, in effect? Uh, even if we ignore the fact that she posed for a picture just recently in a, in a kitchen where she had multiple health violations allegedly going on. Even if we ignore the fact that her restaurant has actually had been cited for health violations, particularly to do with the storage of food. Even if we ignore all of that, this clip, shows just how seriously Danielle Smith believes health rules should be followed. And as you listen to this clip, I want you to bear in mind that when she's talking, she's talking about her restaurant. And she Earlier in the clip that we played, she talked about how there is a violation of trust. Because when somebody chooses to trust someone with their kids, whether it's caring for their kids or feeding their kids, that is a tremendous violation. What did Danielle Smith have to say in 2021 about the importance of health rules in her establishment, her restaurant?
1: My husband had to take me out of the restaurant because I told um, my hair stylist that I wasn't going to. I was going to check vaccine passports, and she told one of her customers. My customers called AHS, and so AHS was going to shut us down. So that's what snitch lines do. So he kicked me out of the restaurant, but only really let me be in if I did the um, uh, the dishes. So I did dishes for about six months because I just wouldn't do it.
0: Danielle Smith talked to a hairdresser and said, I'm not going to enforce the public health rules that have been put in place to protect people from a pandemic that to date have kill, has killed, taken the lives of almost 6,000 Albertans. She wasn't gonna follow those rules. She bragged about the fact that she wasn't gonna follow those rules to her hairstylist who then told somebody else who called AHS. Danielle Smith's response to being held responsible for her words, for her decisions, was to call it a snitch line. And apparently, Alberta Health Services said, if you do that, we'll close your restaurant. So her husband, by her own telling of the story had to kick her out of the restaurant, the front end of the restaurant, and relegate her to washing dishes. Because don't you see, Danielle Smith is the victim in that story. But of course, there's still more. Because on Friday nights we got news that the province had announced that there were going to be additional closures. There were, in fact, going to be six more closures. That happened Friday night. So on Friday during the day, we had the heartfelt press conference from Danielle Smith where she had her moment of uh, empathy for the victims of what she called a preventable situation had people only followed health rules, like she deliberately chose not to during the pandemic, like she bragged about not to following during the pandemic, like she campaigned on not following during the pandemic. If only people had followed the rules and this preventable tragedy hadn't happened, and she was so deeply affected by it. That was the press conference on Friday afternoon. Friday night, late in the evening, Adriana LaGrange announces the chief medical officer of health has uh, identified six additional places that need to be closed. So you might ask yourself, would Danielle Smith have been appraised of that? Of course she would have. If they were going to close six more preschools, of course they would have told Danielle Smith, hey, you know what, we've had to do this thing. What was Danielle Smith doing on Friday after her press conference? She was doing this. Throwing around high fives and cracking kegs in olds. Now, how do we know that this picture came from Friday? Because it was posted at 7.57 in the morning on Saturday, referring to the night before. Now, there was radio silence from Danielle Smith on all of this up until the next day. On the 17th, Danielle Smith finally posted her pictures of her wonderful celebration at Old Stoberfest. She posted that this morning. It's almost as if she wanted it to seem like maybe she was there on Saturday. Maybe there was some distance between the time period where she had her emotional uh, moments on live television. And her raucous celebration full of high fives and tapping kegs. There's been no shortage of people that have pointed out that Danielle Smith could have very easily gone to some of the hospitals, some of the places where the kids are still being actively treated, kids who may have to be on dialysis for the rest of their lives. She could have gone and she could have expressed some level of in person support because clearly she doesn't have a problem with in person engagements. But instead, she went tapping kegs and olds. Because it's always about Danielle Smith with Danielle Smith. Even the moment where she had her little moments of whatever made it about her. And that's not okay. Because there are kids who, as Danielle Smith said, could have been prevented from the suffering that they're experiencing. Some kids who are too young to even come anywhere near close to understanding why the things that they're experiencing are happening. Daniel Smith had some some kegs to tap, though. Moving on from there. And then we're going to get... I promise we're going to end on a positive note tonight because this is a Definitely one of the, the heavier conversations that we've had. But we're going to go back to the, the folks at Take Back Alberta. We talked last, last episode about how Take Back Alberta was bringing Dr. James Lindsay, the famed mathematician and social commentator, to, to Alberta. There were some problems, though, with, with Mr. Lindsay. Some of those problems might have to do with some of the non-mathematical opinions that Mr. Lindsay espouses. We brought up his Wikipedia entry. He's a proponent of the right-wing LGBT grooming conspiracy theory and has been credited as one of several public figures responsible for popularizing groomer as a slur directed at LGBTQ educators and activists by members of the political right. Lindsay has referred to the pride flag as the flag of a hostile enemy. We've certainly seen the leader of Take Back Alberta, David Park, throwing around the word groomer a lot for the last little while. In 2021, Lindsay wrote on Twitter that there will be a genocide of whites if critical race theory isn't stopped. His statement was met with widespread criticism, including from the founder of libertarian anti-identity politics magazine, Quillette Claire Lehman, who wrote James Lindsay is now peddling white genocide theory, implying that a genocide against whites in the U.S. is imminent, has the potential to inspire racist violence. Such comments are extreme, reckless and irresponsible. They should be denounced. Lindsay has also promoted the far-right cultural Marxism conspiracy theory. Gosh, it's like we're reading straight out of David Parker's Twitter account right now, which alleges a concerted effort by Marxist critical theorists to infiltrate academic and cultural institutions in order to destroy Western civilization. This theory has been wholly rejected by mainstream scholars and has been characterized as anti-Semitic by the Southern Poverty Law Center and others. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that Eventbrite announced... But uh, they didn't want anything to do with this shit show. On September 8th, David Parker tweeted out, Eventbrite bows to the woke mob and tries to cancel conceptual James from coming to talk about protecting our kids in Alberta. That only goes to show we're over the target, folks. People need to know what's being Taw. Spelled incorrectly. And again, Mr. Parker has the Twitter blue. He could correct his spelling mistakes if he identified them or wanted to, But while we're criticizing education and curriculum, we're just going to spell words wrong and not fix it when a bunch of people point it out to us. People, People need to know what's being taught to our children in our schools. The statement from Eventbrite made things a little bit more clear. Hello, we're reaching out regarding your event listing Dr. James Lindsay's Save Our Kids Edmonton event. We've determined that your event is not permitted on the Eventbrite platform as it violates community guidelines and terms of service. Specifically, our policy on hateful, dangerous, or violent content and events. As a result, your event has been unpublished. Please be aware. That severe or repeated violations of our guidelines may result in the suspension or termination of your Eventbrite account. We've refunded all attendees who purchase tickets to your events, if necessary. To see a list of the orders for your event, cancel tickets, or communicate directly with any ticket buyers, click here. So it's almost as if Eventbrite maybe took the time to read Mr. Mr. Lindsay's, I don't know, Twitter account or his, uh, his uh, Wikipedia bio. But, David Parker, he's not a quitter, he's not one to give up, he doesn't do that sort of thing, he's not going to give in to the the woke, and he's going to do more things. But this is where it gets really, like you just can't make this up. That's the tragedy of this is that you just can't make this up. I could understand Mr. Parker relocating his events to Red Deer or Grand Prairie and maybe doing it in a large bar or something like that, but that's not Mr. Parker's style. Mr. Parker wants to get into Calgary and Edmonton. He's got an agenda that he wants to pursue in Calgary and Edmonton. He's been very, very clear about that. So what does he do? He rebooks his event. Where does he book it? At the Maharaja Banquet Hall in Edmonton and the Chinese Cultural Center here in Calgary. Now, let's just take a quick second to review uh, Mr. Parker's view on things and stuff. And we don't have to go very far because we used a couple of these tweets in our last episode. David Parker from April 4th of 2022. I love being white. And if you have a problem with that, I feel so. He went after Michelle Garner Rempel. Michelle Rempel Garner, who is pretty far on the right. Michelle Rempel had tweeted out, Yes, I humble myself and ask forgiveness and seek to make things right. I have privilege. I am cis, straight, white, but I also am a woman who works in a system dominated by white maleness. But no excuses. I will do what I can. That is all I can do, but it is much. Which is... An incredibly responsible thing to say. We've talked about utilizing privilege for positive outcomes on the show for quite a while now. David Parker's take on it: Never forget. Michelle Rample is ashamed of the color of her skin, and she be- ex- she believes she exists in a system dominated by white maleness. This woman is not on our side of the culture war. Vote a code accordingly. So Mr. Barker makes it very, very clear. He loves being white. It's the best thing ever. But white, being white doesn't give you any kind of advantage. And also, there's this culture war that we're fighting. So make sure that you, 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 you fight it and vote accordingly. And this is an event that's being held at two cultural venues. But one might wonder, why is it that Mr. Parker is so committed to making sure that he makes a, he gets a foothold in Calgary and Edmonton? Well, he's been very, very clear when he went on The Jesperson Show. He was talking about the fact that he wants his mandate, his mission. They're not going to mess with the municipal elections. they got their eyes on a different target. Take Back Alberta isn't going to be putting forward a slate of candidates for the municipal elections. But boy, they're coming for the school boards. They want to make sure that Take Back Alberta has school board trustees that align with the Take Back Alberta agenda. But he's not just stopping at school boards. He was very, very clear about this just today when he tweeted out, Dear public educators, you work for us earning our tax dollars, and if you keep up this indoctrination bullshit, we will fire you, the people of Alberta. Calgary and Edmonton, are by no means immune to take back Alberta. David Parker has made it excessively clear that he has a deep investment in taking over not just the Catholic education system, but the public education system as well. Now, all of that being said, we're just going to throw this, this graphic here that we had of, of Mr. Parker's uh, tweets where he talks about the culture wars, and he talks about loving being white. And then we're just going to throw, throw this graphic up here. Oh, gosh, how did that end up there? It appears to be the contact information for the Chinese Cultural Center and the contact information for, for the, for the Maharaja, Maharaja Banquet Hall. How did that End up on our screen like that. Boy, it sure would be an, a tragedy, an absolute shame if people used these two screens worth of information to, I don't know, send emails to the two venues and let them know that maybe David Parker's purely using their venues. Possibly, I don't know. I'm not saying this is what he's doing, but that he's maybe using those venues as a shield so that he can perpetuate the views of Mr. Lindsay. And his fears and concerns about a white genocide and how there's no such thing as any sort of white privilege and critical race theory, which at its core only teaches that there's different things that can impact a person's standing in life. And guess what? Race can absolutely be one of them. Nothing controversial there. But that's what David Parker is going to war with in his culture wars. It's important to note that his culture wars are gaining some ground because this policy, among a few others, we're going to talk about next episode, came out. David Parker's made it very clear he wants to take over the rest of the UCP board. He's already got half. Half of the board that was elected at the last UCP AGM. David Parker showed up with 900 uh, voters. He's not to be trifled with. We make a lot of fun of him because, I mean, the turtlenecks are just such fertile ground for jokes. But uh, he does know how to organize. This is one of the policies that's being voted on. And when I talk about being voted on, let me just explain for a sec. One of the things that the UCP does, and most political parties do, is they have a list of a boatload of different policies that have been brought forward by the membership. Those policies have been approved uh, by the policy committee. And then they say to the membership, OK, we only got a little bit of time because Daniel's got some speeches. We're going to give out some awards. It's a, it's a whole event. So we have a limited time of what could be voted on. So what we'd like you to do is rank which policies you think are the most important. So this is not a draft policy. This is an accepted policy. The importance of it is being debated by the UCP membership. The United Conservative Party believes that the government of Alberta should require teachers, schools, and school boards seek parent-guardian written consent prior to changing the name and or pronouns used by students under the age of 16. David parker has been very clear. He wants to go to war with trans kids. He wants to go after... Trans kids. He believes in parental rights. He believes that parents should be the be-all and end-all and the only authority on how kids are educated. We're going to play a long clip now. This one runs about four and a half minutes long, but it's absolutely a clip that everybody should hear. This is a University of Alberta law professor named Florence Ashley talking about how parental rights work in Canada.
3: There's also another layer in the Canadian context. Hi, I'm Florence Ashley. I'm a law professor at the University of Alberta, and I did my entire doctorate on, basically, trans youth in family law in Canada. And the piece that's missing from this puzzle is that parental rights are very much an American idea, one that does not really exist in Canada in part because Canada is a signatory to the Convention on the Rights of the Child. The virtually only quasi-universal convention, insofar as all UN members except the United States have signed onto it and ratified it. And in Canada, this has bolstered this idea that parental rights don't really exist as a standalone things. Parents don't have constitutional rights vis-a-vis their children. They have entitlements, authority, power over their children. But that power, that authority has to be exercised for the benefit of the child. So, for instance, we talk about contact with parents and uh, parents often speak in vernacular of the right to see their child. But really, it's the child that has a right to see their parent. And that right seizes the moment it's not beneficial to them. It is not a right of the parent. It is a right of the child that the parents exercise. And that is how we generally think of things in Canada. And so by using the language of children's right, they are adopting wholesale uh, US-based narrative and ideology, one that is not new, one that is not new in Canada either. It was used in the past, for a bunch of stuff, including objection to things around abortion and birth control for minors, uh, around you know sexual orientation and sexual education, all of that. But it is a distinctively U.S. narrative, and one that does not make much legal sense in Canada. To the extent that there's such a thing as le- as parental rights in Canada, it's a purely in a kind of vernacular sense, not in any sort of real substantive legal sense, and certainly not in a constitutional constitutional sense. Uh, so, these arguments are counterbolics. Kind of what has to be determinative is the best interest of the child. That is how it's always been in uh, Canadian law when it comes to things that impact children to this degree. And there's very clear precedent around it, and also a lot of law that speaks to the significant autonomy that youth have. In fact, more often than not, they are granted more autonomy when they disagree with their parents because uh, courts have a sense that they are less likely that to be having that view really just as kind of an, uh, an extension of their parents. So oftentimes there are concerns that parents are essentially using their children as mouthpieces. And in fact, the rights being claimed by children are actually uh, the parental views and not really necessarily the genuine views of the child, a concern that is partly, uh, is much less there when the child disagrees with the parent. Of course, it's a lot more complicated, It's a lot more nuanced, but that's kind of the rundown. So when people tell you, what what about parental rights? You tell them, there is no such thing, there are children's rights children's rights to have their best interests be paramount in any decision concerning them. And the moment that parental involvement and parental decisions diverges from that, parents lose their authority and entitlement. And that is the right thing to do if you want to protect children in any way, shape or form.
0: So there it is. It's pretty straightforward. There's no such thing as parental rights in Canada and there really shouldn't be because the rights of the kid, the best interests of the kid, should be the overriding factor. And here's the hard truth that a lot of people, including apparently David Parker, don't want to hear. Sometimes parents get it wrong. Sometimes parents don't know what's best for their kids because they're bringing their own baggage or their own trauma or their own whatever to the table. And they're not able to see past their own, quite frankly, bullshit and put their child's best interests First. But in Canada. As a country. We have agreed. That it's kids best interests. That should be put first. And here's the big thing. Here's the amazing thing. And this is why I promised. We were going to end it on a positive note tonight. Before we open it up to the open mic. Because then God knows what's going to happen. But. (laughs) When people show up. And they elect people who run on Canadian values, not American values. They run on Canadian values. Canadian values like the ones that are represented in the Charter of Rights and Freedom. Canadian values like protecting people from discrimination based on race, sex, age, skin color, religion, or not... Because you can choose in Canada to be religious or not. That's still protected under the Charter. Disability or sexual orientation. Equality rights are absolutely at the core of the Charter. And it's important to realize that when we talk about things like corporate law, when we talk about things like workplaces, ignoring a person is absolutely considered harassment and discrimination refusing to acknowledge a person is considered a form of discrimination not using a person's name is considered a form of discrimination it's that simple and if a kid isn't comfortable i've said it so many times on this show before and i'm gonna keep saying it If a kid isn't comfortable having that conversation with their parents about who they are. It is the parents who are responsible for that. Because if you're going to make the argument that the parents are the be-all and the end-all. It is the parents' responsibility to build that relationship with their kid. And if they have failed to do so, it is not on the kid. That kid should still be supported and treated in a non-discriminatory way by the institutions that they're part of, including public schools. If you support and if you vote for people who hold those Canadian values to be true, not these American ones that Mr. Parker continually tries to import and is trying to literally import by bringing in his mathematician who has social views, some pretty amazing things can happen. The town of Strathmore has a pretty, uh, let's go with complicated reputation in the province of Alberta. There's a lot of people who view Strathmore as the, the town of the, the rednecks, the ignorant, the undereducated. Well, the town of Strathmore voted to put a pride crosswalk in front of the town's municipal building by a majority and a significant one. But there were two people on the council. Now, we're not going to play their clips because uh, it's my show and we're not going to give them the airtime because they were saying stupid arguments and we try to avoid those here. (laughs) But there were two town councilors who made the argument. One of them was like, Oh, it's Marxism. It's not Marxist. If you take a look at who was persecuted by the Soviets. Eh. But another one of them tried to make the the argument that, uh, hey, you know what? We got to worry about liability because we don't want to be on the wrong side of the law. We don't want people to feel uh, like they're being exploited. We'll get to him in a sec. But I want to highlight two of the town councillors and what they said. I said this was going to be an episode with some longer clips. We're going to play their responses because they are absolutely amazing and there's something that everybody should be listening to and considering. The first one comes from Councillor Denise Peterson.
4: I just need to, to say that... Um... My belief system drives everything that I that I do, and I, I just so firmly believe, the communities are for everyone, and everywhere in our community there are public symbols of support, for groups, and I'm particularly proud of this community, that we move in directions that look at. Persons who've been marginalized in this community outside of this office, is a garden that that. Uh, represents our Indigenous community and accepts that these huge and and grievous wrongs that were done were done because there were enormous misunderstandings that drove considerable distress and harm to a particular group. When it comes to this crosswalk, specifically, and and in terms of of the motion, visibility and inclusivity um, are critically important to marginalized groups, and a pride crosswalk should serve as a visible symbol of support and inclusivity. And it sends a message that this community is valued and it's accepted. And this is a community that has been marginalized, has been tortured in some cases. I think it's really useful to think about the fact that Canada, the government of Canada, our liberal democracy has just warned Canadians to not go to certain states in our neighboring country because it's dangerous for people of the LBTQS2 community to travel to these places. A Pride Crosswalk in this community, from my perspective, inspires hope, and I think it encourages and fulfills advocacy um, that responsible, Officials, elected officials, have an obligation to to speak to in every instance that it comes before us, um, in order to make sure that communities are for everyone. Councillor Wiley speaks to my heart. You thought I was done, didn't you? I did. Um, Councillor Wiley uh, uh, speaks to my heart when he talks about um, Solzhenitsyn and the Gulag Archipelago because it stands as one of my favorite books. And it contains one of my favorite quotes. One of of the things that Solzhenitsyn said was that violence can only be concealed by a lie. And the lie can only be maintained by violence. He goes on to say that when this is proclaimed, you know, and violence is a method, people are inevitably forced then to accept that lie as the principle. And I think it applies when we talk to this. Because while the quote does not directly relate to bigotry, It is related to the concept, because it highlights the connection between the violence that's been visited on a marginalized group by a more powerful entity. And it speaks also to the maintenance of power and control over a marginalized group. So this is why it becomes even more important for people in a liberal democracy to stand for persons who are marginalized. Otherwise, our communities cannot be for everyone. And so, Your Worship, I am not in favour of this motion and um, certainly would uh, um, applaud the group that has continued to, uh, to um, fight this uh, very necessary fight.
0: Some incredibly important words from that, that town councillor. But she wasn't the only one who had some incredibly important words. So we also want to uh, play for you so that you can hear them the comments that were made by Councillor Melissa Langmade.
2: Your Worship, I'll try and keep my comments fairly short here. It's, it's, um, no secret to this council or anyone in this community where my heart lies in this matter and where I believe the right decision lies and, the, and that's in making our community a more welcome place for everybody. Um, and that includes recognizing the people who are already here. I don't see this and, and, and I, I struggle to hear that this is a political issue because I don't believe this is about politics. This is about recognizing the rights of the people who live in our community to feel like uh, to number one exist, number two, and to feel like they're safe and welcome in their community. This is one very small way that we can start to show that our community is a welcome place for LGBTQIA2S plus people. This, if we look back in history, this decision has actually been decided in Strathmore before. Um, we we have previously, past councils, not this council's previous councils, has approved a pride crosswalk in Strathmore, and when I discussed this with members of the community, I received very feed, varied feedback. However, one common thread I heard was, "Wait, didn't we do that already?" Which tells me that this is more than time. This is more than time that we do this. As my as my co-counselor, uh, Councillor Peterson, has mentioned, we have si- signs and symbols of welcome and inclusivity of all groups all over this town. Uh, this is another one, and I'm so. Yeah, I I'm just going to keep it to that. I I do not support this motion. I, I I fully support the decision that has already been made by this council and by a majority of this council, and that's that a Pride Walk be installed in Strathmore. And I hope we can move on so that we can decide a location.
0: Those two speeches from those two counselors represent what you can get if you vote for Canadian values. If you don't go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theory and fear. Those two speeches are incredibly powerful and they're incredibly important not just because every single word that they said rings true but because those root words rang true in Strathmore Alberta and the town of Strathmore Alberta made the decision to put a pride crosswalk in because communities should be inclusive places communities should be places for everyone the same should be said about public schools And this is why it is so, so, so important that people pay attention to the fear mongering that people like David Parker are trying to whip up to their own advantage, to their own gain, to their own insecurity, because that's all that it is. And when we take a look at what Canadian values can be and what Canadian values aspire to be. And I'm not going to stand here and say we knock it out of the park as a country every single time. Because God knows our history is littered with tragic examples of where we as a society have failed. But there are also many examples where we as a society have become better than we were. And that's what we need to focus on. People who want to drag us back into the past need to be left there. Because the future of this country, the future of this province is going to be decided by people like those two amazing counselors. And if those two amazing counselors can exist in a place like Strathmore, Alberta, they can exist anywhere in this province. If people choose to show up for them so that they can show up for their entire communities. Now, of course, there's a kicker. Because there always is. Because there's always these patterns that seem to emerge. Because when we take a look at one of the counselors in Strathmore who spoke about the risks that could be, the legal risks, my God, the legal risks that could be associated. We wouldn't want to expose anyone to any sort of legal risks. We wouldn't want to run afoul of the legal system while we're talking about Jason Montgomery. Jason Montgomery, of course, being the Strathmore town counselor who faces charges of sexual assault, extortion, and criminal harassment. I'll read from the article here. Jason Montgomery is also charged with publication of an intimate image without consent, extortion and criminal harassment. The town councillor is next scheduled to appear in court in Strathmore on August 15th. A publication ban protecting the identity of the alleged victim is in place. By a written statement, the town of Strathmore says it's aware of the charges uh, against Montgomery. Why is it? that it always seems to be the people who want to control other people behave like they believe it's their inherent right to control other people. And the people who just want to let everybody live and let live don't seem to be doing any of those things. Now, I probably should say that these are charges, and he hasn't been proven guilty in a court of law, and ran, ran, and ran, but... The reality is, over and over and over, we see that the people who are most against other people, simply having access to the same rights, simply being able to enjoy the same sense of community that they do, those are the ones that seem to be willing to step over all of the lines. Support people like those two counselors that we played for you tonight. And with that, before we open it up to the open mic, we're going to bring in, because God knows the middle-aged white guy pontificating on Daniel Smith's uh, moments of whatever that was, is uh, is going to... I have to... Let's just... Bring it out now. There you go. I can't speak for, for women in politics. I'm not going to speak for women in politics. Instead, I'm going to get a woman in politics to do that, because... That's much safer, I think, for probably everybody. And with that, I'm excited to welcome back to the show, friend of the show and Politico, Sarah Biggs. Sarah, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm just going to gonna drop the, the background in there. Sarah, I want to start. Daniel Smith I mean here's my thing this this is I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my little line out and then I'm gonna get your thoughts on the, on the Daniel Smith I don't know some people might call it a performance uh, but I want to hear your words in a sec here's my big beef with this it seems to me that Daniel Smith isn't just part of a culture that places individual freedoms ahead of everything else including the suffering of others it seems to me that that It's not just that. Daniel Smith, and I played the clip where during her campaign for leadership, she talked about how, ah you know what? There are these health rules in place for my restaurants. And I said, to hell with them. And then somebody went and reported me. Can you even believe it? And my husband made me wash dishes. I'm the victim here. Um, She has fostered that culture of placing individual uh, freedoms ahead of literally everything else. Consequences be damned. That being said, Sarah Daniel Smith stood up. She touched her heart. She opened a bottle of water. Didn't drink anything from it. Do with that what you will. What'd you make of it all?
5: Deflated balloon. I, you know, what I was so Friday was a little crazy, but I, I caught glimpses of it and I was like, okay, so there's two things. Inside her, they told her to use that tone and go on with it, that it would work. Or two, she fucked around and she found out. So the latter, probably not as possible as, you know, uh, the first option. But if, if it was executed, it was not well executed because we saw that, that there was some partying happening uh, on the very same day. Um, you know, it took her how many days, 12 days to come out? And then we were fed with the, I don't believe that politicians should interfere with public health orders kind of justification. I had to listen to that five times because I I, I thought I, you know, I thought I was losing my mind, but (sighs)
6: she
5: is fostering, but she is also being used as a tool to foster And farm rage, that side of the politicals. Like, they kicked the Overton window, and then they brought Daniel Smith in, because people are, they they have managed to culture that anger and make it extremely powerful. Because, you know, usually we're Canadians. We don't fight. Like, there's... They think during World War II and you know they think there's a culture war and everything in between. but yes, there is now because they decided to make it so because of their messaging, because of like did you see what happened regular today? Like what the fuck? Don't tell me it's a, not a crystal fashion. agenda. Like there were people on crosses. I respect every religion. But don't try to tell me that you're trying to protect the kid, to protect the kids, when you're putting yourself on the cross and you are trying to represent the religion that has the most sexual abuse and cultural destruction that we have seen in a very, very, very long time in history. So there's a little bit of a fall, false narrative today. Um, there's always a false narrative, but. You know, I, I think they're using her as a tool as well because we've seen the, the tweet on Friday. They were like, this is your warning. You know, after the Daniel Smith announcement saying that she doesn't believe that, you know, CMOH should listen to politicians because after that they are not in a position to continue with, you know, prosecutions and whatnot um, because everybody's getting tough on crime. Um, yeah, she's a tool
0: so here's i mean i I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna find that that image here because for for context, I'm I think eventually. it's probably important so um but what do you make of the choice because here's here's my thing um, and I'm just uh the, the host of a of a of a subpar podcast, but uh if I was making the well, you know boy uh,
5: sorry, apparently it was not the tweet is not real today
0: okay, perfect there we go thank you to my um, husband
5: sorry, but there was stuff happening
0: so so here's my my the the question that I wanted to get to if if i was you know like if I was that heartbroken by the situation that these these kids and their families uh are are navigating and dealing with um that that I got choked up on the microphone and let's be clear, there have been times only few but there have been times on the show where i have uh had moments where i have become over uh overwhelmed by emotion but i would also say i'm not the freaking premier and i'm not at a scheduled press conference so there's some differences um but what do you make of the choice for them to go all right we just had this really intense press conference um Rather than have you go down to the Children's Hospital in Calgary, Alberta, and I don't know, deliver pizza or something—do
5: something meaningful, S-
0: something not made at the 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 the, the feeding brains place, probably. Um, but you know, a, a gesture to say, "Hey, you know what? I didn't just do a press conference. I'm here, and I want to listen, and I want you to tell me what you need." It wouldn't have been a big a big detour, but instead of Doing that, it appears she went and tapped keg through odd fives and odds because beer and rodeos, man. What do you make of that that PR choice? Well,
5: maybe the engagement was confirmed a while ago, but on the PR side, like it doesn't look good. Just cancel the damn event at this point. Premiers have canceled events in the past. Ministers have canceled events in the past. You know, she should have been on the ball, on the mic a day or two after uh, the outbreak was declared, saying, we're on the ball, this is what we're doing, she should have been there. she That's the thing, because when things like that happen, so there was a lot of pressure for Smith to come out, that's number one, to come out in the shadows, because when things like that happen, the population's looking for leadership. And when leadership is missing that's when we have a problem. So there was a lot of public pressure and then whoever deals with the Premier's PR or, you know, Rob, whoever made the decision to put her on that podium, they should have done better planning. Like, I, it is not me to judge the Premier's feelings. Maybe, maybe she was feeling it at some point. I do not know. I'm not in the room. I'm not making the okay. decision. <laughs> But I'm going to say that it is very poor choice to come out 14 15 days after the outbreak happened. Well, 12 days, I don't even know anymore, 10 days, I don't know. 10, let's say 10.
0: We we don't know when the first case appeared definitively, so we I think we can safely say yeah, around two You don't
5: weeks. go tap a fucking keg in old and high five Boot beer boots. You just don't do that.
0: Here's here's my two things. Like, first of all, uh, Olds is a whopping 70 kilometers away from Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I am hard, like, it's not like the UCP has never started events late like that one. The press conference, they started late. And every other event that they do, unless it's one of their PR events, those miraculously seem to start on time. But it's it's not like those events... Can't be delayed. It would have taken, you know, if, if if Danielle Smith had said, you know what, I'm gonna be an hour and a half late because I gotta go check on these families. So, so I don't think there's anybody in Olds who would have been like, ah, can you believe she passed up tapping the keg to go support families? Like,
5: yeah. okay, so here's I'm gonna make an analogy of two things that happened. So if we remember during the campaign, there were the forest fires, people got evacuated. The premier, she stopped campaigning for a few days to focus on the situation right why didn't she stop her event and old to make sure that she is able to have a full hands-on on on the situation that we're dealing like going because they went to visit the evacuate centers in Edmonton. and Calgary. Absolutely, they did. They went, why, why do those kids do not deserve the same level of attention? Like the same day, the news about the the, the Taranel came out, that, you know, provinces are not <laughs> interested in buying it. So there was a lot of things that were happening. But you don't remain silent when you have like 275 kids suffering, tons of daycares closed, and just showing up to announce that $2,000 will be you know, given um, I'm, I can't wait to see the fine prints. I really hope it's not preemptive to any cl- class action. Um, I have questions, hopefully not, but you know, we never know. Um, but at this point, just stop the party, man, like you did during the campaign. It looked good during a campaign, it looked really good yeah, during the did. campaign but do you
0: campaigns think, over so do, you think, worth do you think that there's i mean one of the things that i've been kind of percolating on is danielle smith has historically behaved with almost a i would use the words callous indifference to human suffering um her her reaction to the the pandemic certainly a strong example there the fact that she was like i'm not gonna check id passports um and her husband allegedly had to stick her in the, the, the dish pit. Uh, the fact that she has tweeted out some of the things that she's tweeted over the years, like, the the well, why don't we just feed it to, like, the hungry people? Um, she has an established pattern of not getting it. I'll be generous and say it that way. Now that she has shown to some that she has the capacity, allegedly, to get it, has she set the bar for, now you have to behave like a human being, Danny. Now you have to behave like you actually give a rat's ass about people. Is, is that something that you think she'll be held accountable to? Or is everybody just like, has she sold it to the people who need to buy it and screw everybody else? Or what do you think? I'll
5: believe it when I see another occurrence. God forbid we could do without tragedies, but if something else happens, um, you know, it's a one-off. We'll see what's going to happen. It's weird. We, You know, um, all the extremely right-wing conservatives were extremely quiet on that matter. They only lit their their hair on fire when Smith said that, you know, she couldn't intervene with CMOH decisions and potential, you know, to avoid, you know, issues with potential persecution. So I'll believe it when I see it. We had a one thoughts and prayer tweet late in the game. And then she showed up. Like I said, I was not between, I was not a fly on the wall. I do not know what she was feeling, but dude, go check on the kids. They're suffering. Just go check on their parents. You know, it always makes a difference in the world when you ask, are you okay? Especially when you are elected to act and to make decisions that will benefit all burdens. You are there, your oath is there to protect the population, not special interest group. Your oath that you take is that you will have to do your job at the best of your ability But sometimes the best of your ability doesn't stop at a press conference. The buck doesn't stop there. It's the extra steps that people will be noticing because we're used to pressers, we have pressers the time. But what are the subsequent actions that will be taken? And will she have the initiative or will her staff around her will have the initiative and the courage to send her to the hospital, check with the kids, Check with the parents with no media we don't need media yeah. we really don't we need a statement from the premier saying that she has been taking time going to sit with the sick kids with the parents is there is enough room at mcdonald's house for them to be housed if they need help you know do we have all of do they have all of the resources and the kids are that are affected is it parents on precarious employment are they parents that have other kids have the other kids been you know as contracted in coli. there is so much to look into and just to bring your support like they did during the forest fires sometimes you know she made herself look good during the election because she took the time off and, and that was extremely well done from them. And I know a lot of people will hate me for me for saying that, but that was well executed. It was, that was good well, it was good. Because, you know, when we're seeing rallies, other places in the province, and, you know, a lot of people were like, what's going on? But don't... Stop being out of touch is what I have to say. Because there's kids... I just want to... I.
0: Here's, here's the thing that I want to point out, because I know that there's going to be people who, who, who hear that part and go, Oh, but she would have gotten in the way. Let's be clear. There is a kick-ass and very large cafeteria at the Children's Hospital in Calgary. There is absolutely nothing that would have prevented Smith from going and sitting at a table and sending a representative up to the wards where these kids are being taken care of and saying, the premier is down in the cafeteria. She will listen to whatever it is that you have to say. And she's waiting. And she will. And a- it wouldn't have had to been a disturbance on the ward. It wouldn't have had to interfere with any care. Parents could have gone down, whatever. There's lots of creative ways to, to do these sorts of things without it having to be a, I'm going to trip on this IV pump or whatever. But
5: being um, a human takes a lot of work. Going on the schedule and not taking everything consideration. And also like the staff around her. what are they doing? That's the other questions. If we're all gung-ho on protect our children, protect our children, well, go show sympathy to the children that are suffering right now. Send your Minister of Health. Send the Minister of Children's Services. Send, I don't care, the Deputy Minister. I don't give a fuck who you send. Send people and listen to the parents.
0: You talked about staff. I want to hit one more topic, then I'm going to open up the open mic. Um we got a we got a new press secretary Sarah Biggs. So here's here's my thing. Here's my question with the 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 press secretary decision. The the decision to bring Arthur C Green into into the fold. There's no question he's a very good poodle. I think he's a, he's a very very good poodle. He does the the little prancing with the feet and everything very very well. Um but if you're trying to build credibility for the deputy premier, you're trying to build credibility for the the emergency response uh, ministry or whatever it's called. I don't remember. Um, if you're trying to build credibility for those things going into a legislative session where you've said, "Oh, we're dropping the hammer, we're making it. It's gonna get well. Oh, it's gonna get. We're gonna uh, zero tolerance. There's gonna be zero tolerance for the things that we don't like." We've had a press conference earlier in the week. Are you going to bring in the guy who who makes up stories for the Western Standard? Is that your first choice, Sarah Biggs? No. (laughs) Does it, does it, okay, but in all seriousness, do do you think it hurts the credibility? Uh, Do you think anybody cares about the credibility? I mean, I'm going to be making jokes about this. This is a gift for someone like me because. Well, that's
5: the thing for someone like us, (laughs) Andrew Yule. How much time?
0: Don't read the comments. Um, sorry,
5: but for people like you and me are, you know, not the average citizen that doesn't read the Western standard, doesn't care about the Western standard or, you know, only get their news from Rick Bell. Hi, Rick. Um, I love Rick. He's lovely, but, you know. Um,
0: I miss old Rick.
5: Um, they, they won't care.
0: I miss the dinger. <laughs>
5: They don't, they won't care and they don't know who he is. That's the thing. Like nobody goes like us going to look every day to see if there's any staffing changes (laughs) to government. Nobody does that except people.
0: Yeah, but the, the dude announced it. That was the kicker to me is like, if I'm, and that's, again, it just, it is so on brand for what some people... I'm not saying this, but what some people might say is a profoundly self-serving individual who, you know, goes and takes pictures of homeless people and, and, and in, in unbelievably compromised positions and situations for clicks. Um, it, it almost seems like, hey, guys, I got the job. Like, it's it's just so uh, it's so very, very on brand. I know. Kind of, I can't remember his
5: portfolio over the few, past few months. Oh, it's she a- understand the appointment. I was like, Yeah. Because I I don't read the Western standard. I usually get tagged when there's an article coming out about me, but that's that's about it. But
0: when WD forty has to say, oh no, y'all made that shit up, like <laughs> when WD forty is forced to weigh in and fact check the article, I just feel like you're not building industry confidence. You know,
5: the bar, they're, they're, they got good shovels because the bar is going lower. Like, I'm having a hard time to understand how the progressives in the party, there's a few, there's not, you know, a hundred. I'm really having a hard time understanding how everything that we're seeing right now is sitting well with them. I have
0: lots of questions. It's just like here's my thing.
4: It's gaslighting. It, it's, it's, gaslighting. It's, it's just, just so Ever so
5: since bad. being hired by Ken Sim in Vancouver. Guys, I wrote the, the TV strategy for kids. <laughs> it it it's in my client portfolio. Like we were approached to write a strategy for them before he went all sideways. Um but you know it's they're gonna do what they're gonna do, but I do. I think it's the most brilliant appointment. Which I'll
0: see. Okay, let me rephrase it. Let me let me rephrase the question a different way. Let me let me reframe things a little bit. What does it say about Mike Ellis's ministry (laughs) when the only person who will go to work for them is the guy who makes up stories? No, maybe it's not the
5: only guy that would go work for him, but it's the guy that is willing to. That is already familiar with that line of writing and the the story and the you know the narrative built around public safety, right? Because if we look at what they're saying, what Mr. Green has been writing about for, I don't know, a while. I stopped looking after a few months because I was bored. Um, they line up. They do they do line up. Usually press secretaries, they, they don't apply, they get called. Just
0: saying. But like, <laughs> I just, I, I have such a hard time. Like, if, if here's the thing. If, if any ministry in any government, be it progressive or conservative, if I like pick up my phone one day and it's a minister of the crown, I don't care if it's the NDP in government or the UCP in government, I that. pick up my phone and they go, Hey, Nate, we were thinking you'd make a great press secretary. I would say day drinking isn't healthy. Don't, don't do that. It's not a good choice. It's a bad lifestyle choice. It turns into problems. You'll end up spending money online. It is okay to say don't no. You? Also, i saying you don't serious. have
5: to. You know, when I have people calling me on my phone, I answer and I'm very pleasant. But
0: yeah. Sam, lucky, I don't. I don't get very many phone calls.
5: I'm so <laughs> nice to <and> everybody, <laughs> but I'm getting less and
0: less popular on one
5: side, and I'm wondering
0: why. Hmm. We're gonna open up the mic. Yeah. Do you want to hang out in case anybody has any any Sarah questions? Mm-hmm. And uh, Am I might get we, interrupted because we'll,
5: we'll... I'm waiting for visitors. So.
0: That's fair. I hear you have a new rental property.
5: Okay, let's talk about it for a second because you opened. it
0: Thanks. Facebook, man, it'll get you every time. Someone, so we
5: have our, I'm not going to give the details, nothing. We have put our residence on the market. And um, somebody today decided to put it on the <laughs> for rent on Facebook. And um, there's been stuff going on for a couple of weeks. I've been getting weird emails, and, you know. And so I I texted Nate. I was like, Nate, what do I do? And I have to file a report. Welcome to my life.
0: It's It's fraud. It's, it's a little like they lifted the pictures from your real estate listing and then posted it as a rental and you know that that person who's doing that is going to be like yeah all I need is a seven thousand dollar deposit the property sure it's, it's delightful there's i don't know a gazebo i don't know if you have a gazebo we have a I'm
2: project. just making that up
0: Ah, there's a hot tub, $7,000, you get the house with the hot tub. And then some poor fool who is desperate in this rental market and the housing situation that we have. And yes, I haven't forgotten about that topic to everybody who's like just ready to go with the housing stuff. Um, I I wanted to wait until that was done um, because I want to be able to unpack it accurately. We're not going to get into it right now, though. That's a whole other episode. Um, Somebody's going to be like, I'm desperate. That looks like a place that I could maybe afford. It's so
5: nice. You know,
0: And then they send somebody money and then they're they're even more screwed than they were before. And also with the
5: work that I do and the emails that I get, sometimes I need to be a little bit more careful because some of them know where I reside because there's lists out there. So there's a layer of protection, but, you know, I'm just waiting for
0: the police to stop by. There we go. So if Sarah has to duck out, it's because the police are knocking on her door. But we're going to open up the mic now. (laughs) We're going to bring in Chris, who spoke for the first time uh, yeah. with with us last episode. And so uh, we're going to ask, uh, ask Chris. Chris, what's going on tonight?
7: Hey, not much. you. Uh,
0: I, I'm, just, I'm doing this late. Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah.
7: Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, so I, had, I just have really, uh, three really quick comments to add, if you don't mind. But then I'll just back Absolutely. right out. Um, so, so my first comment was uh, with Daniel Smith. You can tell by the fact that she went to Olds and is doing this uh, Bavarian festival thing that she understands often. She obviously knows what it means to reach out to your community, go talk to your community. So it's not like that she's not aware. I think the fact is she didn't go as quickly to this coli uh, situation because it's honestly her government's fault. And I say that mainly because she was in power in October of 2022 she's been power since. There hasn't been any break in that time, so, I mean, any issues with regulations that she was saying, oh, we might need need more regulations, well, that's on her. And um, the other two really quick comments I had was with David Parker. Uh, If if you saw his Twitter, he made one comment where he said, the Muslims are with us, and I, I couldn't find the other tweet, but he made a point, and I swear I'll find the tweet, he made a point saying, uh, oh, the other cultural centers are with us, and I think there's this appeal with David Parker and Daniel Smith and others to this uh, fundamentalist rhetoric. This, you know, back to what made us great, and um, I think the fact that uh, Parker and friends were able to get this, these two different cultural centers, it makes me wonder what did he appeal to? What what did they sell them on that made them say yes? Or did they lie about it? I don't think they because yeah, my, you know, my, my
0: my speculation would be that they they didn't they didn't tell them what who they yeah. were and and what they were trying to do because
7: there's an event, and you know what that's very powerful
5: there's an event that is being published uh by announced by Tibet called that if you register you will receive the link of the address where the location will be hidden it's an event with um Lagrange but not the minister her secretary Sick, Monique. Yeah,
7: oh, you mean that dinner thing? That, that dinner uh, thing,
5: the location is, is, is being kept confidential.
7: Ah, uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, my other last comment, really quickly, was with Arthur Green uh, and uh, Mike Ellis. I, I honestly wonder what would happen if someone went and took screenshots of Arthur Green's Twitter account, forwarded those screenshots to Mike Ellis' office. I'm not saying I would, I'm just saying. If someone did and then asked him or asked uh, Mr. Ellis when he's next up on the mic saying, "Hey, uh, your press secretary has done this, did your office know, and can he make a comment?" I feel like if that were to happen, chances are they don't know that he's posted these photos. No, that, oh they totally, do. Yes, yes,
0: guy, they totally
5: do That guy has been vetted, has had a security clearance check, has been security vetted again and debated for a hire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And he tags all of the politicians and uh, all think, of the posts.
5: Like when you like, get into a government position, the level of scrutiny that you are under is quite impressive.
0: I have noticed since oh. he got fired, he's been, or since he got hired, he's been doing a lot more landscape photography of like cars mm. and not so much I people in crisis. Enough.
5: So he has a real job.
0: What are you talking about, Sarah? The Western standards, totally real job <laughs>
7: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but, yeah, that that's everything I had, but thanks for having me on. And yeah, no, definitely uh the the whole Smith witches and tears thing just no comment. Fair enough.
0: Thanks, man. Appreciate you <laughs> appreciate you tapping in again. I see here's I uh, I have to be so careful with this particular subject. Um don't I would I would say that it is you know if if the little podcast that could is able to go wait Arthur C. Green who got called out by the Calgary police for publishing a story that the, the Calgary police said never ever happened Arthur C. Green who uh, got called out by WD 40 for saying our products wouldn't be available when they absolutely still would be if 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 I mean, I, my expectations of this government are pretty low. But if it's the little podcast that could, that could find those things that are readily and publicly available. And somehow the, the, the minister, who used to be a cop and presumably had some investigative skills, uh, somehow this whiffed right by him. Boy, that would be a, a cause for concern. You said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> um, hey, I, it. doesn't seem like we have anybody else wanting to tag <gasps> in tonight. So, right. Sarah, what are you watching for? We don't have a legislative session until, and you know what? I just have to point it out October 30th. <laughs> do you know what October 30th is historically known as? My daughter's birthday. Oh, damn it. That makes that joke so much harder. I hope okay, you know. go for
5: it. It's uh, Ivanka Trump's birthday, too. I was pissed when I... <laughs> it's,
0: it's known as Devil's Night. Historically, yeah, there's like a whole mythos around the day before, before, before it being known as, as Devil's Night where uh, you light everything on fire. Uh, it's it's a whole reference in the movie The Crow. And so and the fact it. that the legislative session, it's such a good movie, Brandon Lee. No, no. My film. husband's like,
5: have you watched this? Have you watched this? Have you watched it? I'm like,
0: no. Crow is is like, it, it's Brandon Lee's last film. There's like, he, there's, 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 you could go down rabbit holes with that yeah, movie. It's like my uh, mom would
5: have let me watch
7: it. Okay, I just have one last comment to make because you had mentioned The Crow and that. And it just made me think of the image of uh, Daniel Smith for her throne speech. I'm just imagining for her throne speech, she just throws a match on the legislature floor, and instead of like a crow, the uh, fire creates like a money symbol or oil or something.
6: Well,
7: <laughs> that's her throne speech. It's like that's what I'm doing this session.
5: So the throne speech is probably gonna be on the Thursday. So we're gonna hear Ottawa, Ottawa, Gilbo, Gilbo, Ottawa, Net, uh, you know, 2050, Justin Trudeau's fault. Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa. Cough, cough. Um, we have a surplus. Private healthcare. <sighs> Anyhow.
7: Major changes. Hey, did you get of, to make the, the healthcare uh, system so much more more? Sorry? Sorry, what was that, Chris? Oh, sorry. I was, just, I was trying to make a joke of like, hey, uh, this legislative session, we're thinking of making a super lab. We've never heard anyone do that before. That's <laughs> all versus now. There you
0: go. Um we got Lori who Yay. we're going to we're going to tag Yay. in. Uh, I don't think L- Lori's been a speaker on the phone. I'm hoping this isn't another Spider-Man bit. We'll see what we see. Lori, what's going on tonight?
8: I think you got to unmute yourself there, Lori. Um... Okay, um, I was listening and somebody was talking about uh, uh, TBA has some kind of dinner coming up or something. I just found out they're having a meeting in Morinville at one of the, at the cultural center, I think on Friday. So a lot of people seem to be upset about it, but I don't know if they're going to show up and and voice their concerns or not. Is it
5: the Maharaja one?
8: Nope. This one's in Morinville. We're just north of Edmonton and St. Albert. Yes. Sorry. My
5: geography of Edmonton sucks. Um,
8: Oh, that's fun. No, uh and like I say, I just found out about it today, so I'm tempted to go just to hear the BS that's going on for myself. But I'm, I'm curious. you know, like I say, a lot of people seem upset and they want the town to cancel it, but I don't know if that'll do anything.
0: No, I don't and I mean I don't here's here's the thing.
5: speech too. I mean it was... So it's very complicated, right, Nate? Because there's you know there's the freedom of speech aspect so we can try to jesus christ it's so complicated so 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 complicated like uh, there's freedom of speech but also
8: you i think that. there's a lot of hate speech in him when he's That's like against the lgbt and stuff like that and taking over the school boards. That's probably my biggest fear oh. right now. I have kids in the school, well, no, and I certainly don't want people who represent them.
5: Like, D-A-T-A the on Wednesday, and there's going to be a ton of people with Benita just singing karaoke across the street. That should be...
0: I think that... Where's, that's going that to be up in Edmonton. I think one of the... One of the I think. Uh, for me, and I think this might be what you were trying to get at, Sarah, I could be entirely wrong. and I know that you'll correct me if I am. Uh, I think that you know one of the the key components is I don't think that David Parker shouldn't be allowed to 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 do what he does. I think that David Parker has made the 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 uh, progress. That's not the right word. Uh, he's he's garnered the momentum he has because it's been unchecked and unmatched. And I think that you know he has uh, he he talks all the time about the the biggest thing that that people need to address is is apathy, and people don't show up, and we need more people to show up. I don't think he's wrong about that. I think that what he's asking people to show up for is wrong. And I think that part of having an engaged electorate, is having people who are gonna say, Yeah, you know what, you can say your dumb shit. It will come with consequences, legal ones, to be clear, um like losing your event bright listing. But we're also gonna show up and we're gonna say all of the things that we believe to be true, like those two amazing counselors from Strathmore did. I think that there's there's you know, I, I would much rather that the David Parkers of the world say their dumb shit out loud because then you know where they are and you know what they're after. But yeah. But
5: there's also with them there's the mentality of freedom, of freedom of speech for us, not for the. That is important also. So you know it's, it's so complicated. It's not even funny. But they, they believe in free speech for them, but not for us who have opinions and live rent free in, in his head. Like, it's not. As soon as we're opening our yappers, there's something coming our way all the time. Like it's stupid like i blocked like 150 people this weekend because it's just bad shit but they do not like when we speak our mind or when we provide our opinion but hey we gotta let him talk that's okay
7: it's fun there we go uh, anything okay. else you
8: want to to i decided i decided to let you know that he's making his rounds
0: Oh, he has been for a while and he will continue to, but we just need yeah. to make sure that there's equal voices that are rising to meet him. But thank yeah. you. Lori. thank you, And thanks for, okay, thanks, thanks for raising your hand for the first bye. time. Man. I appreciate that. Okay. Bye. All right. We got Cassandra who has raised her hand as well. So we're yeah. going to bring her in. I feel like maybe there will be some comments about the, the decisions. I, I swear I was, the housing conversation coming, Cassandra. I absolutely 100% promise. But with that said, what do you no got? No worries.
9: I, I, I got a chuckle when you, yeah, anyway. But <laughs> give me a chuckle when you reminded me that you're going to be doing it. And I have no doubt. Um, no, I was just going to say that um, I can't say what the group's name is yet. I can't say what, where it's. Starting, but there is some organizing going on to fight back against this. Um, and it's a, a group, a, a political action group I'm in, and there is somebody just brought it up in one of our chats that there's a that they're organizing, and they're yeah. It's, so there's organizing going on, and it's specifically to fight back against the the whole turtleneck crazy and uh yeah so i just wanted to let people know that there is something and when i know more about it i will let you know also um i'm in a disability group one of the admins is actually somebody you know nate um but we're we're organizing so i wanted to just briefly speak uh When they were talking about the disability benefit, I was. I have a network of other disability advocates across Canada, all living with disabilities on various provincial programs. And many of them, there's many people like they're so poor and they got disabilities, and they probably waiting for the disability to come out in a year or more. A lot of them won't make it. And many, are even thinking of going the way it made because they just can't survive any longer uh, waiting for this. And so one of the things we were propose a group, me and a group of other activists were talking about this dilemma because we even knew some of these people and and we said, you know, there should be an interim benefit. And we were talking about the fact that it came out, you know, they put out CERB in and- Record time, like it took four weeks or something, four or six weeks to get in people's pockets. And and um, you know, they've managed to give grocery rebates through the GST, which so that provinces can't claw it back. So the, the federal government has ways of of doing something for the disability community. So we came up with the word, it wasn't me personally, it was one of the people in the group said we should just call it gerb like CERB. So instead of COVID emergency relief benefit, it's the disability emergency relief benefit because many people with disabilities are living in an emergency and we really want to raise some awareness because we're trying to say to the federal government, okay, fine. It's going to take you a year or more to figure out the regulations. Great. In the meantime, you need to do something. You ignored us through COVID, you ignored us, you know, through many other things where you were given money to everybody, and we were sitting there waiting. we were already suffering, and they even what they did throw at us it it didn't make it to a lot of people because of the way they decided to go about it and And so we're saying, we just want an interim amount, an intern top up until the until the disability benefit is ready to hit the ground running. And get into our bank accounts until then we need an interim amount and there's ways you can do it and you can do it fast the new minister tried to tell somebody i know that well that would take time away from doing the disability benefit and that's a utter bs um it it's yeah it's just stinks of huge couch cow pies and the fact is is that they could do serve the way they did if they could do um, the grocery rebates, the way they did, they can do it for the disability community who's literally in an emergency in every in the whole country. Like people with disabilities across Canada living in legislated poverty are suffering, and they the government needs to act. So we're gonna be coming up. Uh, this group that I'm in is coming up with um, something very shortly, and hopefully, I will when when we get that thing together um, I'm I'm hoping I can count on everybody here and and, and every, all of you at the breakdown to maybe help us get the word out so we can get the signatures we need.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
9: Awesome. That's easy. That's all I have tonight.
0: I, I I have one question before I let you go, Cassandra. First of all, I just gotta say I love your passion for advocacy. I think it's so inspiring and so cool. So I just wanted to say like so so awesome there. Um you know how Take Back Alberta, as you were talking, I had yeah. a little idea percolate up into my head. You know how Take Back Alberta, how David Parker did the whole thing about like black belts. Um When he was ranking the the political acumen of the people involved in the organization, there'd be like white belts, black belts. Who did this? David Parker.
9: Oh, okay. So here's my question.
0: As a nickname. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtleneck. (laughs) I like it. I'm I'm just spitballing here. Thank you so much, Cassandra. Thank you. All right. I'm going to bring in Lynn. Um, She looks like she, I thought we had a couple other people lined up, but it looks like Lynn might be our last speaker. If anybody else wants to weigh in, just uh, go ahead and, and, and hit the thinger to to join Um, Lynn. What do you got tonight? Hi guys. Hey,
10: isn't Cassandra lovely? She is. (laughs) She is. Uh, Listen, I just want to say one thing about Mr. Um, Deputy Premier Parker. Um, he puts out all this stuff, but people don't do the research. He cannot fire a teacher. No, no, it, it's just. I
5: called him the armchair, the armchair premier today. I don't think he liked it.
0: I thought that. I thought that was good. I thought it's that. You're right though. But that's the danger yeah. of it. Is like. I'm totally aware, and I think I'm sure Sarah's totally aware as well, that that David Parker can't fire teachers. But the danger of what he's saying is that there will be a lot of people who will be like, yeah, and that's why we need to get the school boards under control, because then we could totally do it. So, and that's where the danger is, because he's he's using that rage farming to get people to engaged. Chaos. It doesn't matter what the results he's are. He's
5: using misinformation to create chaos. And he's...
10: Exactly. Yeah,
5: that's what he does.
8: Yeah,
5: he, he knows. Okay, so I'm going to say this. He knows extremely well how the system works. But he is. Um, how could I say? He's very good at convincing people with some twisted realities. Because he knows.
0: He tells people what they want to hear.
5: He, he goes on with his personal idea and then. You know, there's somewhat of a belief that if he thinks he's right, well, he's going to be able to sell that idea and then create chaos into the system.
10: But So the question that came up when I was discussing this with my teacher friend today, um, Red Deer is actively trying to get out the other Lagrange. Mm -hmm. Correct? Yes. So in the province trustees can vote out another trustee everywhere?
0: No. So the challenge okay. exists and there's this is there's there's been quite a bit of back and forth about this. The under the act trustees do have the ability to exercise that power. The problem the red deer is running into is that they don't have any bylaws that acknowledge or define how that power would be exercised. Each board, so it's kind of like each board has a its kind of like, rules. yeah, it's kind of like if you if you like if if you just threw a Tesla at me, I wouldn't know how to start it. And so they have that 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 ability that power exists under a legal framework, but unless they have <laughs> a, a defined mechanism for how to access it, it's it they can't access huh. it. So we would have to go to the school board
10: that we're in to find out what the actual rules are to get rid of our David Parker and Fort McMurray. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. That was my question. Awesome.
10: Well, thanks for weighing
5: Thank in. You. man. It
0: looks thanks, like we got guys. one more. Person hey, one more. I got to is... go to
5: bed because kids.
0: That's fair. I got to go to bed too. So we're going to bring in Steven and uh, see what, what Steven has to say uh steven what's going on tonight
6: hello can you hear me
0: i can hear you just fine what's going on man
6: hey how's it going um yeah sorry i I actually forgot that i like put my hand up (laughs) i'm just like going back to the take back alberta parker stuff i just like couldn't resist i follow them kind of obsessively um. Yeah. No. I, I'm wondering. Like, I, I, like one thing I wonder about Parker is how significant he actually is within like the actual populist, like grassroots right. I think he's like significant within the premier's office now. At this point, like, clearly, no fan of Kenny, but like he's um, clearly within like Daniel Smith's sphere. But like, do the actual grassroots like him? Because yeah. I like I follow their Telegram channels, and they fucking hate him. Like, <laughs> they think that he's like a psyop. They 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 literally think that he's like. An agent of the Fed. Can you
5: can you DM me um, Telegram accounts
0: here? Because say <laughs> again, sorry? Sarah wants to know what Telegram accounts you're following.
6: Um, oh God, they have crazy names like Calgary Freedom Central, uh Standing for Freedom. There, there's so many well, Telegrams. Kind of like where they all congregate. I'm curious. I think like like the, 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 there's a bit of a paradox with Parker, in my opinion, because like he's kind of a like very much an establishment conservative, like from his origins, yes, right? He is. Oh, but he's like positioned himself as this like grassroots, like fucking like leader. But like I, I think it's like maybe a bit dangerous to consider Parker as like a real ringleader of what the right's up to these days. There's... he's he's doing stuff, but like I don't think that <clears throat> but
5: there's a lot
6: of I think it's a little bit more balkanized than that, you know what I mean? Like but... he's got like okay, like Benita's a good example. Benita is a terrific organizer, you have to give her that. No, like she's she... a very good rabble rouser, but I don't know. She's doing a lot of her stuff completely independent of Take Back Alberta, oh. and like all these right wing, like fucking organizers, grifters, whatever the fuck, like they're all kind of like just doing their own thing. And like Parker, I feel like it's just struggling to stay relevant no. at this point.
5: No, no,
6: no. I no. think that's mostly what I wanted. Like, no, yeah. I'll let Sarah go, and then I Yes, there's, the, um, yeah, there's
5: a coordination throughout the different conservative factions throughout the country right now, province to province. are kind of merging to very, very specific talking points. And those talking points are very often initiated by Parker. And Parker is trying to put his hands everywhere right now. Parker is very well known in the conservative world. Parker has been there for a long time. Parker is extremely smart and he knows it. And Parker is able to, he's the one that brought the premiere. Like nobody wanted Daniel Smith. Nobody won the else the premiere. Like people were like, what the fuck? But he is the guy that I would say instigate a lot of the god awful conversations we're having right now.
0: And I would say, like, when it comes to Parker, the, the thing that Parker has realized uh, that I think makes him so tragically effective is that he has focused the vast majority of his energies influencing areas where it's not necessarily the greater electorate that are going to you know come and fill out a ballot on election day it's 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 the smaller little organizations he was able to take over the UCP board with take back alberta candidates by showing up with 900 people and i think one of the real obstacles that uh, and i'm going to use a very broad term. I hate monoliths, but I'm going to use it. But I think one of the big obstacles that air quotes progressives have in understanding Mr. Parker is, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, progressives tend to take their ball and go home when they find something that they don't like about the person who's playing on their team. Conservatives, as a general rule, will overlook just about anything i mean the fringe groups are going to do what the fringe groups are going to do but the 10 yellow vesters that are showing up on corners in calgary are not the people who are making these decisions archer Pulowski is not the person who's making the decision oh my god it's in like two days just saying um i gotta order my cake um but the the conservatives will look at parker and they will look at his successes, and they will go. the The ones who want to see any kind of agenda that in any way aligns with him, they'll go. Okay, I can get on board with that. I'm going to overlook the the crazy stuff, uh, or the stuff that I think is the crazy stuff, because I I want I want to I think that you know I don't think they should be teaching whatever in schools, even if it's not being taught. But that's part of what Parker's very very good at. And I think one of the, like I was saying that I think the biggest obstacle that progressives have is that progressives will look at another organization that's doing something that one thing, it only takes one thing that they disagree with and they'll go canceling. I'm not going to work with you anymore. I'm not going to say anything nice about you anymore. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. That's a thing that progressives do over and over and over again. And because of that, progressives can't get out of their own way. David Parker is able to find that one thread. And he's able to say things in such a way that allows for people to interpret it. And if you want to take a look at what David Parker's strategy is, you just have to look at Daniel Smith. I mean... When we're talking about, I mean, Lynn brought it up earlier where she said, hey, you know what? Um, People don't fact check. And David Parker makes all these ridiculous promises. Well, let's take a look at Daniel Smith's campaign for leadership. It was the exact same thing. Let's take a look at Daniel Smith's campaign for the last election. It was the exact same thing. I spent a full
5: summer debunking every single goddamn thing that was being said. But I have to go to bed. I'm so sorry.
0: No, that's cool. Thanks for hanging out for a bit. I'm going to... No, can, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. I don't know if you had anything that you wanted to 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 add on to that there, Stephen, before I, Cassandra's wildly got her hand back up. So I'm going to bring her back in after. But I want to give you... This is your first time here. So I want to give you the chance to to add any other words.
6: Oh, wildly. No, yeah, yeah. thanks to all of you for uh, having me in the chat. Yeah, no, I just like... I guess I just wonder to what extent Parker's really leading anything when it comes to like the like actual conversations that we're having in the culture war stuff. I don't think he's that significant in that sense. I think he's significant locally, like here in Alberta. Like, I think he's very important within, like, I just want to make it clear. I think he's very important within Alberta politics, but I also think he's a bit of a dog playing fetch, if that makes sense, when it comes to organizing these, like, yeah, anti LGBTQ2SA protests and whatnot. And I think he's one of just many other influencers, grifters. He's just a particularly successful one here in our. Weird little fucking province. Anyways, yeah, good night, Cassandra. Sorry. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, here's here's what I would I would offer as a rebuttal to that. Um when when you take a look at the the results for the the last election, um Archer Pulowski was a rounding error at best. Uh the 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 voting turnout that the Solidarity Party got was I, I mean, we could use the word laughable and probably get away with it quite comfortably. Um, but, um, the, I'm just looking up the, the, yeah, the Solidarity Movement ran 38 candidates and they got literally, I mean, the Alberta Party beat the Solidarity Party, but the Archer Pulowski's party got 0.2 per six, 0.26% of the vote. But, Archer Pulowski is the person that Daniel Smith was afraid of. Pawlowski is the person that Daniel Smith went to the the justice minister to to try to solve his legal problems. So there's I think there's a, a big difference between the perception that exists and the reality that exists. Do I think if I was to walk down the street and ask 15 people um hey uh what do you what do you think about David Parker? I think probably 15 people would go who? Was he on that 60s TV show? Was he Bionic man? Um it, but that's not where Parker tries to exert his influence. Parker exerts his influence on the influencers. And he's very, very, to my eyes, successful uh, and effective of that. And that, that's what makes him, in my mind, so dangerous. Um, so that being said, Cassandra, you've had your hand up for a while there. I'm going to bring you back in.
9: What? <laughs> well, I just, I had a rebuttal because... I think it's too easy to be dismissive and I'm just going to point to about a hundred years. ago. It was a hundred years ago. I can't even believe when it's, it's been a hundred. There was a little, there was this little man in the part of the world where my grandparents came from. He was just this little man, pretty much failed at everything throughout his life. And um, he started, but he was a great or orator and, and was able to draw a crowd and some people really saw that and, where everybody else was kind of being really dismissive of him and making jokes about him and saying no oh, he's not that relative and and stuff like that these people decided they could leverage his skills as a, as an orator to draw crowds and to feed into people's fears and they leveraged that and they thought they could control him that little man led the largest um, mass um, genocide the world has known. Um, And and it wasn't just the genocide because it wasn't just six million Jews. There was another five to six million non-Jews that he also murdered in the same way. And, And that's over and above just the deaths from battling a war. So I think it's dangerous to be too dismissive of somebody like David Parker for that very reason, because often those misfits that nobody, even their own crowd, doesn't seem to overly like, but they have a skill that they can leverage to gain power, they'll do it, and they might even think they can control them. I think we're seeing a little bit of that in some other politics right now. But I think so. I think it's dangerous because he does have something that the right wants that's good for them that they can leverage. And I think it's dangerous to dismiss the impact that he could potentially have if we are, because you know, if we're to not take it too seriously or make too light of it. I mean, I would I'm just go to say.
0: Yeah. I would just I would just point the w- without even having to go. Um, I think it's Goodwin's law, um, or Godwin's law. I, I can never remember how many O's there are on that. But I would I would just point to the recent piece uh, that McLean's did on Danielle Smith, where. For the first part of her sojourn in politics, nobody took her seriously. Nobody thought that she was going to go in the directions that she did, in the way that she did. And certainly there were a lot of people who didn't think that she'd ever amount to premier. I had a con- I mean, I don't mind saying. Yeah, I had a great a con-
9: article, by the way. I, I read the whole thing, and, yeah.
0: and I agree with
9: you. I think it's it's very instructive. She has a very similar background in some ways. I mean, she wasn't homeschooled and all that, but she has a very similar Upbringing as David Parker, in a very kind of traditional, conservative background, and and just how she came to be a libertarian. I mean, it's it's very it's very interesting stuff, and it's it, it's true. People did not think she was. I think they called her in the article vanilla. She she was just a very vanilla kind of person. And, and I thought that was a very interesting way to put it. And, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's true. You don't know. I mean, I can point to examples of Pierre Polyev that are the same too. So yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I'll, I will, and I won't talk anymore now. I'll, you probably want to sign off.
0: <laughs> I do I do have to shut it down but I do just want to point out like even Danielle Smith was dismissing Danielle Smith in 2021. She's on record in multiple places where she said that she didn't believe that she was ever going to be electable again. The I think that anytime anyone is able to be persuasive and I have said for you know Danielle Smith you give her a script and that woman can do some things. Um She's very, she's a very, very talented orator. And she's very, very good at making people feel like they're important, even if she doesn't necessarily think that they are. Um, so, you know, I, I think that anytime somebody starts to influence things in the way that we have seen Parker do, you know, underestimate them at your own peril. And I would also argue that he has made major moves. He was part, if not the biggest part, of the, the movement to remove Jason Kenney. He was successful at that. He was, I have been told from, from people who are very, very high up in Take Back Alberta that one of the biggest reasons why Take Back Alberta was uh, pivoted in the way that it was, was expressly to get Danielle Smith elected as leader. Those are two things that Parker was instrumental in. Um, and when somebody is able to remove a sitting premier or play a major role in removing a sitting premier. And when somebody is able to install the next premier, or play a major role in installing the next premier, I think they just need to be underestimated at at, at peril. And I think that one of the things that's critically important is that the only thing that's going to stop David Parker, I mean, somebody said it in the comments here, the only thing, TBA will not stop until they're stopped. And that's going to require more levels of involvement and engagement from people than they've historically done on the progressive side. And it's also going to require them getting past the, the um, superiority complexes that we all too often see that exist within in some progressive circles. And again, I hate speaking like I'm talking about a monolith because I'm not, but there's a, there's a, a, a greater threat that is, is, is looming and it's gaining momentum. Take a look at the, the, the distance that the province has traveled since 2019. Uh, democratic norms that we hold to be secure are no longer in place. And I think that the, the significance of it really can't be, can't be overstated. But that being said, now comes the part of the show where I'm going to try to sell you a mug. Because <laughs> that's a great pivot. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, I I think is 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 super fun is the folks at abpoly.ca reached out to us when we were talking about how much we wanted to. There were people who were asking for merch, and we said, yeah, we'll we'll yeah we'll we'll partner with some merch. So we've got <laughs> we've got mugs for sale, and you can you can get them at abpoly.ca. There's also shirts, all kinds of other great swag that you can go and pick up. I don't think we're selling branded drumsticks yet or or branded guitars, but you never know. I mean. There's always the opportunity for it and stuff like that. Um, and then the other thing I'm going to just quickly plug as well, as I always do, is that if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, you can always help us to continue to produce that content by signing up to be one of our Patreon sponsors at www.patreon.com slash TheBreakdownAB. We're for the, just the price of a fancy cup of coffee. And this week it feels extra good to say that and there's like only maybe 20 people who know why, but that that felt extra good to say that this week. Um, you can help us continue to produce the kind of content that we do. That being said, totally understand not everybody can do that. So like and share and subscribe and all of that kind of good things goes a long way to helping us get the 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 show into more ears. As always, if you're listening to the audio version of this show, then uh, leave a a review. Because sometimes the people who don't like us leave reviews. And they use mean words. And it's very, very hurtful. So positive reviews. They help out as well big thank you to sarah biggs for staying up past her bedtime tonight and helping us navigate some of these issues big thank you as well to all of the people who are speaking all of the people who are listening live on the twitter spaces or if you're watching this live on one of our live stream platforms thank you so much for taking the time to spend a little bit of time with us it means everything
6: please trying- send me a mug nate uh i'll, I'll trade you
0: you have mugs steven
6: i believe we do yes
0: Oh well, there's a we now. We're 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 using royal terms. You're gonna have to send
6: me a DM, and we'll see what we can. I mean, press progress.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. But anyways,
6: yeah, no, good chatting. Thank you. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll we'll have to work out a mug exchange of some kind. Um, yeah, thanks everybody. Um, we're gonna be back. We're doing Sundays from now on for the next. I don't know, eight weeks is if it revolves around some sort of shift schedule. I don't know. But we're going to be doing Sundays, Sunday nights, for the next Ad Infinitum. we got a couple of interviews that we're setting up um, that, that I think will be a lot of fun. Not the least of which, I talked about it last week. We're like two weeks away from bringing it to you. An interview with one of the highest rankings. Somebody who's got the inside scoop on all things Take Back Alberta. We've got it locked in. It's happening. We're very excited. We're not going to tell you who it is yet. It's going to be a surprise. You're going to love it. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And as always, keep the conversation
4: going.